Morning, man. How are you? Doing well. Just uh, got back into the swing of things. Got a workout in this morning. Kind of kicked my butt after being off for a week. So that was a yeah. nice little reminder that I'm not as <laughs> in shape as I think I am. So, <laughs> well, I think everything reminds us of that when we start aging. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's been like my knees have been bugging me lately, so I don't know if I need to get some knee sleeves or what's going on, but I don't know. We did like a EMOM this morning, and it was uh, every minute on the minute for 10 minutes of three back squats, and it was like 70-ish percent of like what our one rep max would be, but did that and so like we were already blown up from that and then did a a uh as many rounds as possible of double unders kettlebell swings and goblet squats so needless to say my legs are toast this morning but it is what it is so well at least you're sitting down doing a podcast yeah, now. i know drinking coffee like yeah. a young codger <laughs> got my airship this morning so nice but yeah man let's get into it um we kind of uh zach and i both agreed that um we wanted to talk about something more along the line i feel like we've hit some career stuff and some marriage stuff um pretty hard like in the last couple episodes uh it's been very like how to show up in your marriage how to show up in your career how to guard you know the time that you spend at home versus the time you spend at work um and in a sense this kind of goes along with that um but it's also i think a good um break from kind of the career stuff um and the marriage stuff and this is something that, um, to kind of preface this, uh, Zach and I both attend cross church in, um, Northwest Arkansas. Um, our church has three locations, one in Rogers, one in Springdale and one in Fayetteville. Um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with cross church or not, but, um, pastor Nick Floyd is the man at the helm. Um, super great pastor. Um, always love hearing what he has to say. I think he brings a healthy dose of practicality to the things that, um, we talk about and, in our sermon series and stuff like that. Um, and then we have several other teaching pastors, um, Ryan Blackwell, Jeff Crawford, um, and then, you know, some campus pastors and stuff like that. So it's a good, in my mind, a good eclectic mix of, you know, Jeff, in my mind, kind of brings more of the theological. Um, I like hearing Jeff talk because to me, it reminds me of like the theology classes that I took in college to where you're kind of sitting down and it's more of a kind of intellectual theological style, whereas Nick is more of the practical kind of overarching type sermon. And I think Ryan's kind of a good mix of both. Um, but that's some background on where Zach and I go to church. Um, and this last couple months, I guess, when did we start this new sermon series? Like 
Second week um, of November, first week of November. Yeah, first or second. Yeah, so the sermon series that we're doing right now uh, at Cross Church is called Christmas in Genesis. Um, and this one really struck a chord with me and Zach as well and some of the other guys in our group. Um, Isaac, who we both go to church with and who's in our uh, kind of inner circle sent a text to our group text the day afterwards and he shared some of his thoughts on it. So it resonated with a lot of people, I think. Um, and so this, that week's rather was, I think it was on the 27th is when they did this one, but, um, it was titled what we, what we're going to title it is God's design for your work and for your rest. Um, I think what their title was is more simple of just work and rest. Um, but yeah, like I said, really resonated with us and, uh, we just felt like, uh, it would be a good podcast and we would be doing it a disservice to not, um, give you guys the opportunity to sort of hear the same things that we heard. And by no means are we sitting here trying to pretend to be a pastor or anything like that. I'm not, we're not trying to give you guys a sermon or that, you know, what we have to say is with the same relevancy that what we heard from our pastor. Um, so take that for a grain of salt. Um, we're more just wanting to share our feedback and what resonated with us and share some thoughts on, um, what we learned uh, in the sermon. So, uh, we'll get into that in a second. Um, first things first, guys, we're really trying to, um, grow our reach and get this word out there to people about, uh, the masculine journey and, uh, what it means to be a man and how to be a godly man. So, um, guys, it would be, uh, doing us a huge, uh, favor, uh, if you could go over to our Instagram, at Young Codgers Podcast, all lowercase, um, no spaces, um, and follow us there if you don't already. And uh, I'm going to challenge uh, the people that do listen to us regularly. Um, if you could just share the episode, whether it's this one or whether it's one that we've done in the past that you enjoyed, uh, just share it with a couple of people. Um, you know, Zach and I don't claim to be the end all be all of masculine truth or knowledge by any means, but we think that the journey that we've gone on, uh, together and with some other guys in our group, we think that we, uh, have learned a thing or two and have something of value to share, uh, to help other men. So share that. Um, I do apologize. My voice is a little whack. I've got some sort of head cold going on. So forgive me for that. Um, but without further ado, let's jump into this and kind of start to unpack this. Um, so yeah, Zach, like I said, we're talking about God's design for your work and God's design for your rest. Um, and Zach, who did you, did you watch this one or did, were you there? I can't remember. Yeah, I had to watch <clears throat> excuse me had to watch this one um so i listened or watched uh luke harper's version of okay it. gotcha um 
So it's probably actually similar, I like yeah. that. I like that though because um we I was at the nine thirty for this one and uh our pinnacle campus pastor Chris um spoke on this one. So I like that. We'll get two different perspectives here. Well, actually technically four because Luke, Chris, and then you and I kind of sharing our thoughts on what they brought to the table. So um mm-hmm. I actually like that. That'll be good. Um, so I heard Chris um, speak on this. So, uh, and I haven't gone back and watched Luke's, but I will do that after this because I want to hear some of that too. Um, but, you know, I'll kind of be sharing and unpacking what Chris said and you'll be sharing what Luke said. So um, I think to kind of like set the stage on this, um, I don't know if Luke shared the same thing or not, but um, kind of Chris's like introduction to this was that God has a design for your work and for your rest and that God's design is always best. Um, And we see that in a lot of areas of life, even though sometimes it's hard to see. Um, But ultimately, ultimately we do know that God's design is best. Um, And it kind of like, start us off here um chris shared as well as i'm sure luke did um a portion of scripture from exodus chapter 20 um and it's verses 8 through 11 and i think like this is probably you know we saw um god outline what our work and our rest is supposed to be like many times in the bible as well as jesus um shared that you know, in his life with people who, oh, this man, you know, doesn't rest or does rest on the Sabbath and how should we be handling the Sabbath? But I think uh, this is probably the most sums it up the best. And it's for, again, Exodus 20 verses eight through 11. And it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy six days, you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So there's a little bit of context there for you guys of kind of where this idea came from. Um, And it's... I think neat and unique, a unique perspective to think of when we think of literally even how, you know, I know most people don't truly rest on Sundays anymore, but even thousands and thousands of years after we see, you know, the creation of the earth, like literally from creation forward, even to this day, we still see the concept of the Sabbath and, um, that just like direct correlation of God's creation of the earth. So I think that's really neat. Um, now I don't think most people are truly observing the Sabbath the way that it's supposed to be observed, but I do think it's kind of cool that, um, that's been something that stayed so consistent since creation was this sense of 
you know, a five day work week and a two day weekend is kind of how we're typically structured now. But, um, yeah, so Exodus chapter 28 through 11 is where we find God's design for our work, uh, as well as our rest. Um, so Zach, let's kind of unpack, first of all, the aspect of God's design for our work. Um, I'm eager to hear your thoughts on uh, your reflection of this sermon and how you how it kind of landed with you. So, yeah, so some interesting things that Luke brought up um, that I had never caught before reading through the first few chapters of Genesis was that work was a blessing before uh, the fall even yeah. happened. Uh, God commanded Adam to name all the animals before sin had even entered the world and so work was one of those things that would fall into the category of good um because everything god had created up to that point was good or very good um yeah referring to his creation of man and woman um Mm -hmm. and then another thing was that god commissions our creative work in that um not just yeah yeah, not just labor, but God gives us all uh, different skills and um, talents that we can bring to the table, and He wants us to use those uh, for His glory. And so, whatever He commands yeah. us to do, He kind of gives us a fair amount of freedom to do that creatively. How we. Uh, like how our perspective would tackle the problem. Yeah, I think that's an interesting perspective too, because I think a lot of times, well, number one, um, you know, kind of what you're saying, like that all ties back to this concept of, you know, that we talk about in theology and just, you know, our basic walk too is just this concept of agency Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, we're not a puppet on a string. Um, God gives us the choice, number one, between choosing right and wrong. Um, but it's cool and unique to serve uh, a God and worship a God and, and walk in obedience with a God that encourages our artistic, our um, like constructive uh, blessings and talents, um, that not only does God give us the free will to pursue those things, but actually encourages and blesses us in those pursuits. Um, I think that's something that's to my knowledge, pretty exclusive to the, you know, from a, from like taking, you know, your personal relationship with Christ out of it, but from a maybe secular point of view, like one of the only religions where our free will is encouraged and blessed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's unique. I think that's something that we don't often think about, but um, going back to what you said about work, you know, originally work was a blessing before the fall. Um, and I think even for someone like myself who grew up in the church and attended private 
Christian school for a while, uh, spent a year at a private Christian university. Um, it's easy to look over the fact that like work isn't a result of sin. And I think a lot of times because of the context that we're given in early on in Genesis about, um, the fall of man of, you know, you're going to have to work in the field and toil in the thorns and the briars and work's going to be hard and this, that, and the other and childbirth is hard and laboring and all that. I think it's, I had almost always had this conception of like, and admittedly, you know, just had this idea that like, before the fall of man, Adam and Eve were just kind of hanging out. Like it was kind of a 24 seven vacation that like they didn't really do much. They just kind of enjoyed being in the garden and naming the animals and exploring and doing whatever. When in all reality, um, work wasn't a result of sin. It is and was God's design from the very beginning. Um, and I think that's something that I had never even admittedly had the realization until I heard that, that, you know, that work was God's design from the very beginning. It wasn't Mm -hmm. for us to be idle or lazy or whatever. Like it was a blessing and a design from God. Um, so that's something that really like kind of changed my perspective. Um, and I think was one of the big like hit points for me was okay. So like work isn't the result of sin. Like it was, and I'm, I'm repeating myself at this point, but just like it's good and it's God's design for us to work and be prosperous and be creative with our work. So Mm -hmm. what else on that, man? I mean, I know there's a lot to unpack there, but, I just, I think there's so much truth in that design, you know? Yeah. Um, it's kind of redundant, but we're designed to use our skills for work to glorify God and our skills while our work and our talents are not our identity because our identity is in Christ who saved us. Um, our skills kind of put a unique thumbprint on everything that we do and that should carry the stamp of like Jesus in there somewhere or God in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because that's where our identity comes from. And so while our identity is in Christ, we are still unique. Like you and I are completely different people, but right. Well, what we share in common for sure, probably more than anything is our identities are in Christ. Yeah. That's really, really neat perspective. So if you, like if we were going to go and we've worked together, so we've seen how this plays out, but you know, going to a job site and building something, you're going to go about it one way and I'm going to go about it a different way. And yeah. Still going to accomplish the same goal, but you can look at your part of the fence that you did and my part that I did and be like, these are two different people working on this. Um, right. And so that's kind of, um, 
one of the positive things that we can bring to a work environment is not just like our perspective or our way of doing things, but when we can put that piece of our thumbprint that carries our identity in Christ with it, we can change our uh, workplace for the better. Yeah, I think that's really good perspective. Like, you know, from the beginning, like literally the verse after what I shared, you know, or I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself here. But in Genesis, when God tells, you know, God gives, and we'll get, we'll get to this soon, but God gives man parameters for their work and the way that they're supposed to live in Genesis chapter two. Um, and I'll share this later, but verse 18, right after God gives man the parameters he says that it's not good for man to be alone and he out of adam's rib and out of the dirt makes creates eve and so from the beginning we see this sense of collaborative uh effort in order to glorify god and work in a way um and this literally from the beginning is is the footprint or the blueprint rather of collaborative effort for marriage, for workplace environments. It was the fact that like God didn't intend for man to be alone or saw that it was not good for man to be alone. Therefore he created woman. And that's a direct correlation to the collaborative effort that it takes in a marriage between the balance of a husband and a wife and, you know, taking, you know, the gender aspect out of it, you see from the beginning, a collaborative effort, you know, that models for us how we're supposed to live, you know, and work in accordance with what God commands for us in our workplace and in the church is it's a group effort. It's a combined effort to glorify God, not just a, um, individualized thing and i think that's actually a pretty good segue into um what kind of the point i wanted to unpack a little bit next was that chris said you know work is not designed by god to be self-promoting um god's work for us from the beginning was to you know when when god tasks Adam with naming the animals and stewarding the earth was to be a steward of the blessings and the creation that God had formed. And, you know, not that God didn't tell Adam to name all the animals so that thousands of years later, people would go, Oh, Adam named an elephant an elephant, you know? And like, Obviously, I'm, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I'm using that for example's sake, but like God didn't task him with doing that so that Adam would have eternal recognition for every animal that walked the face of the earth. God tasked Adam with doing that to give Adam purpose and have Adam play a role in the creation that God made, you know? Like it's not designed to be for us. Yeah. Um, 
and ultimately like what Chris said was that God gave Adam and Eve the garden and creation to help them reach their full potential and to show them what that potential is not to make them have to work, mm-hmm. you know, like God didn't create the garden as a form of eternal punishment or eternal servitude via labor. It was, Hey, here's my creation and here's the role that you play in that and why you are so important in my creation. You know, and I think like when you start thinking about the fact that, Ultimately, God created us and gave us work to show us our potential and not so that we serve, you know, spend our entire careers, you know, working for the man. You know, it's not. While there is some nuance in that, ultimately, it's to show us what our value and our worth is, you know. Mm -hmm. So. I like what you said about how work provides purpose, but not identity. Um, could you kind of like expand on that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so when you find your identity in what you do, your job could be taken away from you in a, in a heartbeat. Um, and so, while work provides purpose in situations like so you're not just sitting at home doing nothing all day right um because i keep thinking of that quote like idle hands are the work of the devil right so another thing that luke brought up in the sermon was if the devil can't make you bad he'll make you busy Uh, yeah that's a really good point you know, you can be super busy with your work and not at all involved in church or even outside of church in your own quiet time with the Lord. Um, yeah. And so you just kind of fall away because of busyness, not because of anything inherently bad or mm-hmm. what we would think of as bad. Uh, yeah. I felt that like hardcore over the last quarter, really. Like, probably more so in the last month or so, but like definitely since changing career paths, Mm -hmm. I've just felt like that, you know, and like I was sharing with our group last night, it was like, I haven't been in the word as much as I should have. I haven't been making church a priority or our small group a priority. And not that like, there's anything necessarily, there's not any, quote unquote turmoil or super bad things going on in my life. It's just felt busy mm-hmm. and therefore it's been hard or harder, I should say to make those things a priority. So I think that's super relevant. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I've noticed, uh, you know, a lot of high performing individuals, when they retire, they don't retire. They just leave one job that took up a fair amount of their time to go do other jobs that collectively take up more time usually. 
Yeah, or they just that is. even if it's not like quote unquote labor, they're still just constantly busy, like constantly yeah. traveling, constantly going to see this set of grandkids play ball or that mm-hmm. set of grandkids perform or you know, going to see son or daughter number one or two, like they're just busy because mm-hmm. they've spent their entire life um kind of hustling or performing at such a high level that they don't know how to like reel back. Yeah. Um and that's just an observation. Like clearly I have zero experience with that because I'm twenty five years old. But like I agree with you hundred percent. Like that's a definite observation that I've seen in high performing individuals that retire. Um mm-hmm. And not even necessarily like stereotypical, like retirement age of 65. Like I know people that have worked their tails off and made a lot of money and made a lot of really smart career decisions and investment decisions that retire at the age of 50 because they can, and they have those, you know, kind of like what we talked about on the last episode, um, those, you know, passive income streams. And so while they aren't necessarily retired, they're set up in a manner where they can, you know, not have to work a nine to five. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think the difference between, um, purpose and identity is? Well, I think identity is more of like who you are. Like if you were going to, if you had a business card that God created for you, not that I really like that we created for ourselves. Cause like you can put whatever you want on a business card. There's a lot of right people that have gone their entire lives lying on their business card. And that's not, <laughs> that's not or their resume. Any, yeah. Yeah. Um, but if God was to give you a business card for you to hand out, or to yeah. be a conversation starter, like you meet a stranger and you give them this card, um, and they just glance at it real quick and they see who you are on that. I think that's probably the best way I can describe identity, um, because it wasn't any person, any activity, or any other thing necessarily, or like possession that identifies you it's what god it's who god says you are um and then purpose would be i guess how you use that identity to some extent right uh or how you use the time that you're provided so yeah so that's interesting you say that because i was kind of thinking it in like the opposite way mm -hmm. of like the like unhealthy quote-unquote identity that like um, a lot of people, and we've talked about this in a lot of depth on previous episodes. Um, but like, you know, if I were to walk up to someone at the cigar lounge that, um, I'm fortunate enough to go to, I'm not a member there yet, but I'm fortunate to have some friends that don't mind uh, getting me in as a guest. But, uh, you know, if I were to go there and introduce myself to someone and shake their hand and they introduce themselves to me, it usually goes along the lines of I'm so-and-so and I'm 
senior VP of blank for X company. Mm-hmm. Um, and not all the time in a more social setting does that occur, but I can promise you that when you're at work, it's, hi, I'm Logan Branscombe, director of operations for Red Pig Auto Spa. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never, I'm, hi, I'm Logan Branscombe. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think that's kind of been the trend, at least from my experience of life, that anybody who's introduced themselves has immediately gone to what they do for work, right? Not what they do for anything else. It's, right. So that's why my mind kind of automatically gra- gravitated towards like the wrong idea of identity mm-hmm. versus the right idea of purpose. Um, and I, I totally agree with like your perspective and I really like the, um, example or like the symbol symbology that you used of like, what does our business card from God look like? Um, I, like, I really like that concept. Um, but like I automatically gravitated towards like that false identity or like what our earthly identity is versus Mm -hmm. what like our true purpose is, you know? So I think there's like more than one way to skin a cat there as far as that Mm -hmm. goes. Um, I think one of the biggest takeaways I got to kind of like wrap this up as far as like the work side of things is, um, that one of the best ways to honor God is to take pride in and steward the work that we do. Um, and I think a lot of times we sell ourselves short on a lot of blessings and favor from God because God places us, as we know, God places us in certain circumstances, careers, scenarios for a reason mm-hmm. and for a season and for a time and purpose. And I think one of the easiest ways to cheapen and or um, diminish the significance of the blessings that we're given is to not take pride in the work that we do or complain about the job that we do 24 seven. Um, and I just think that's a really easy way to sell ourselves short of the true blessing that God has for us is by not taking pride in what we do, regardless of whether it's our dream job at the time or not. Um, regardless of whether you like your job, honor the Lord through your work, no matter what, mm-hmm. you know, and that's such a tangible way. You know, a lot of people, I think, sort of overanalyze how to glorify God on a daily basis or, you know, well, obviously I know that reading the word honors the Lord. I know that going to church honors the Lord. I know that tithing honors the Lord. I know that, you know, sharing the gospel with others honors the Lord, but you know, what's a tangible way on a daily basis that I can honor the Lord through your work. You know, and how many times in the Bible does Jesus tell us, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and, you know, work for the Lord, not for men. You know, like Mm -hmm. time and time again, we see that in the Bible 
to honor the Lord through our work. And, um, you know, how many times did, you know, I think it's, we kind of talked about this last night too, of the fact of like, you know, Jesus was a carpenter by trade and, you know, I can't think of a better example of number one, having to work hard because, you know, you think of a time where there wasn't table saws and planers and routers and joiners and, you know, all the, you know, track saws and all the things that we as craftsmen and hobbyists have to our advantage today when it comes to woodworking and carpentry and stuff like they didn't have that. They had chisels and hammers and saws. Mm -hmm. And so number one, a hard way to work and a hard way to make a living, you know, you're carrying super heavy objects and working with that. But also like, I can't think of a better career or a better trade to have exemplified God stepping down to earth than the creativity that it takes to be a carpenter, you know? Yeah. Like there's just so much creative leeway and like, and like uh opportunity to be creative and think outside the box and work with your hands than carpentry, you know? And so I find it, you know, well, let me rephrase that. I don't find it ironic at all that the son of God was a carpenter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at the people that, you know, his disciples and the people that were in his inner circle were fishermen, you know, that, you know, there's multiple examples of people like that, that were, their trade was fishing and, you know, going out every morning and knowing where the fish are and aren't and having to haul nets overboard. And, you know, like all of that is such hard work. Um, and every one of those men honored the Lord in their trade or their career. Um, so I, I think, regardless of whether or not you like your job, regardless of whether or not it's where you think you should be, or you want that promotion, or, you know, you're trying to make a lateral or horizontal move where you're at in your career. I think those are all good things. Um, and we should be striving for excellence, but, Mm um, you know, regardless of whether you're at honoring the Lord through your work is one of the best ways that you can, um, show up so yeah something i just thought of when you're talking about the carpentry and uh like the creativity that goes along with that um yeah there's no eternal aspect of carpentry because the wood's gonna rot uh if you're a builder and you work with metal it's gonna rust or oxidize and fall apart um if you build houses they're eventually gonna fall or catch right. on fire or or know. get hit by a tornado <laughs> yeah. um so that made me think of like what's the eternal purpose and we only see you know maybe four verses in the bible from the gospels that talk about jesus's work as a carpenter right, right. um but the rest of the gospels like each one the rest of it is 
what he's doing for eternal purposes. Right. Not what he's doing here on earth, like to make a living. Yeah. I think that's so important. Like, I love that you said that and like brought that up because it does show that like, you know, would it, I mean, personally, I think it would have been super cool to like have an account in scripture of how Jesus became a carpenter and honed his skills as a carpenter. And like, what did he build? You know, did he build Mm -hmm. tables? Did he build, you know, ships? Did he, you know, what, you know, what did he build? And, and how did he attain those skills and learn that? And like that process of that. Cause like, obviously that's something that interests me. So I can be cool Mm -hmm. to know, but like you're a hundred percent right that even though it gives us just enough context to know what Jesus did by trade, but the focus of the gospels was not Jesus's trade, rather the importance of what he came to earth to do. And that was focused on eternal salvation and not what his trade was as a carpenter. So I, I yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I love the, the call out on that for sure. So I think we've, uh, I think we've covered that pretty well. I'm happy with that. Um, mm-hmm. we could sit here and unpack that all day and, you know, I could think of hundreds of examples where, you know, our eternal purpose is greater than our labor. Um, but that ultimately I think, you know, if I could, if I could put that in a tidy little bow, um, to sum up, God's design for our work is the fact that, um, you know, work was a blessing. Work was part of God's design for us. And so because it's part of God's design for our life, we should be um, honoring him through our work. So let's talk about rest. Um not an easy thing for any of us to do. I don't think. Um, and certainly not in the way that we're supposed to be resting. So, mm-hmm. um, I think for me, one of the biggest things that like I took away from the, this part of rest was that our resting should be about rekindling our relationship with God, um, to be in constant communion with him and not binging a new series, catching up on chores around the house. Um, (laughs) and as much as I hate to admit it, not sitting on the couch all Sunday afternoon and watching football the entire day. Um, so let's talk about that. You know, how do we, get to that place of rest and what does you know true rest look like Mm -hmm. i really liked what isaac said like sent out in our group chat yeah um i don't know if it's his idea or if he got the quote from someone else Uh, yeah so i'm just gonna attribute it to him for now sure Uh, He said, we find true rest in what we do for God, not what we do for ourselves. Uh, Yeah. And that kind of struck a chord with me. Like, rest isn't me time. It's time that I spend with God 
because that's what's Absolutely. bringing true spiritual rest, not like physical rest of sleeping or just doing nothing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's been said already, but um, completely forgot what I was going to say. Um, no, I think you're on the right track there. Like, I think, um, yeah, it's not. And I like what Isaac said of like, it's kind of outside of the box of what we view as rest. Um, and it's what, like Isaac said, what we do for God, not what we do for ourselves. And so, um, rest can look like in my mind, rest can look like a lot of different things. And if we're thinking about it from the perspective of, um, what we do for God and not for ourselves rest, I don't think always has to mean sitting in 100% silence with zero distractions or, you know, nothing going on or whatever. But I do think in a very relative sense that in order for us to truly get the rest that God desires for us to have, and ultimately like, let's be honest, like God desires for us to rest. If, if, God chose to rest on the seventh day after creating all of creation. If rest is good enough for God, it should be good enough for us. You know, Mm -hmm. like if God thought it so important, like God made the earth out of nothing. He made the universe out of nothing. God is omniscient and all powerful. So did it tire God to create the entire universe? No. Absolutely not. But God saw it fit to rest. And so if God and all of his knowledge and power knew that it was important to rest, then we should be modeling that and making that a priority as well. You know? Yeah. Um, I think he modeled that for us, not because he needed it. Because yeah, he's exactly. Omnipotent, so he has yeah. all the strength ever exactly. that he could ever need. Uh, and so he created us as finite beings that do need rest. And yeah, it's kind of like servant leadership. Uh, you have to lead by doing, not lead by, yes. uh, you know, commanding. So Absolutely. if he didn't give us a clear picture of what rest was. I think it would be, in my finite knowledge, I think it would be unfair uh, because he's given us a clear picture through Jesus or through stories in the Bible right. of how to walk through various situations that could all be applied to any situation we come across because the way the Bible was written, uh, yeah, it's it can speak to any situation that we'll ever go through, um, in some way or another. And so he gave us the clear picture and definition of what rest is and what we need, not because he needed it, but because he knew we would. Right. And I think it's easy to like, you know, kind of like what we talked about in the last episode of like kind of this quote unquote, like hustle culture and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, 
you know, I think we've lost as a culture and as a society and really as a world, um, what true rest means. And I think for me specifically, I've noticed that, you know, times where my wife and I want to lay low on a weekend or, you know, we've been going a million miles an hour and we want to just slow down for a day. I almost end up feeling more stressed out and less rested when Monday comes around because I didn't do shit and I was lazy. And that's what my, you know, as feeble, you know, simple minded human beings, our version of rest is, you know, let's be honest, something that makes us happy. You know, my idea of rest is, you know, in, in my mind from a human perspective is sitting in a, in a tree stand for five or six hours and not doing anything or, um, watching college football on a Saturday with my wife or my family or friends and smoking a brisket or ribs and having some beers and unwinding like that to me is what rest looks like. Or, you know, my wife and I went on vacation with a couple of friends this last weekend and, um, you know, my wife is a hardcore (laughs) theme park gal. She loves the, the theme parks and doing all the things. And, you know, she's strategic about it of, Oh, these places are the best places to eat. And, Oh, well, if you want a butterbeer, go to this place because the line's going to be, you know, not going to be as long or, you know, don't get express passes. If the wait times are under a hundred minutes for this roller coaster, you know, all of that stuff. And so like, that's her idea of vacation is like going a million miles an hour and going hard. And, uh, you know, we got back Monday morning at nine 30, um, which was great and had the whole day ahead of us to, you know, get unpacked and, and get things done. But, you know, I ended up laying in bed and resting and sleeping most of the day because I was so worn out. Like on Saturday, I looked at my step counter and it was like 28,000 steps, you know? And so it was just like stupid, you know, it was fun. Don't get me wrong, but it was just go, go, go. And so I spent most of the day just laying in bed and resting, you know, and in my definition of the term, that was what I would consider resting, but I didn't spend any time with God. I didn't spend, spend any time in the word. I didn't spend any time praying. I did what made me feel good. And going back to what Isaac said is like, that was me doing something for myself and not me being open to what I can do for God. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think it's easy to fall in the trap of thinking that we're resting and not really truly getting rest. And I mean, let's be honest, like I can't think of something more edifying and good for our souls than being in communion with God, you know, and just being in, in the stillness and the goodness of God. Um, yeah. Something you've brought up on the podcast before was how you connect with God when you're in the deer stand. And so Mm -hmm. while that is something that from the outside looking in may look uh, selfish and like something just for you, 
if that's where you connect with God, then that's definitely falling into the category of rest. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think some people would probably challenge that um, because there is a, you know, aspect of labor and, and things that go into that. And, it, you know, if we're looking at at rest in the truest sense of the form, you know, that Jesus and, and God calls out to of, you know, literally not doing anything on the Sabbath other than spending time in communion with God. Um, you know, I think that's probably the purest definition of rest, but I like what you said about, um, I think some people would disagree with this, but I don't think, I think you're pretty on track with this about the fact that like rest isn't necessarily the absence of work. Um, but the result of working obediently in God's plan and trusting his ability to provide for our needs and not our own ability. Mm -hmm. Like I just, there's so much truth in that. Um, I think we drive ourselves crazy thinking about how are we, you know, how are we going to pay the bills, putting a roof over our head, you know, making sure we keep this job or don't get fired or, you know, that we're, that we've got the bandwidth to show up in our careers um, instead of trusting God in that. Um, I think that there's a sense of peace and almost a posture of rest in and of that, that coming before God and trusting him to provide is in essence, like I said, a posture of resting um, because it's not something that we're burdening ourselves over or, um, or making it a, a stressor in our life, you know? Mm -hmm. So, cause we can't, like, if we're not trusting God to provide for us, we're never going to be able to rest in his presence. Yeah, absolutely. Cause we're going to be too busy thinking of, well, God hasn't provided this or, uh, I need to keep working for, you know, 10 more hours this week so we can right. afford, you know, whatever, or, you know, something like that. Or I need three side hustles so that I'm mm -hmm. never, I never have one hour of downtime except for when I'm asleep. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, maybe, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think maybe an important distinction to make here would be, um, while I do agree with you wholeheartedly that rest isn't always necessarily the absence of work, um, but working obediently for God, um, I think it's important to set metrics for ourselves mm -hmm. and set, um, and we'll get into this in a second, but set those parameters um, to make sure that even if we're not quote unquote resting, um, to set those parameters for ourselves, like, you know, I've, I don't know why I keep using this example, but like, I think it's just kind of relevant to our time. Like, you know, I think we have to be careful. You know, if your kid plays travel baseball and you're gone every weekend on Sundays and you're at the ballpark all day, you know, do you think that that's allowing you the opportunity to come in to communion with God? Probably not. Um, do you think that working and doing chores around the house the entire Sunday because you neglected them all week and all weekend is allowing you to be 
to enter into the presence of God? Probably not. So I think it's important to realize that we don't necessarily always have to be sitting still and quiet to rest and be in the presence of God. There are a lot of things in our life that don't allow us to enter into the presence of God at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's nuance to that. Like there are most things. I think part of being a, a better man and showing up better is knowing how to know, Hey, you know, we need to pump the brakes and get, get truly get into the presence, be in the presence of God and knowing, you know, Hey, is sitting on the couch and watching the Cowboys game and then the game that comes on after that. And then the game after that from 11 o'clock when the games start till, you know, nine or 10 PM in the evening when Sunday night football games over, like, yeah, you're quote unquote resting, but you're not in the presence of God. You know, you're worried about, you know, it's, third and five, you know, are they going to get the third down? You know, you're not worried about God. Um, So let's talk about parameters as kind of a closing thing. Um, I really liked, and I don't know whether or not Luke touched on this or not, but uh, Chris touched on the fact that in, in Genesis chapter two, um, you know, where we are focused on for this sermon In uh, verses 16 and 17, God tells Adam, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Um, And so from the very beginning of creation, we see God giving man parameters. Um, And obviously we don't know the exact timeline between uh, creation and the fall of man. Um, but we can, I think rightfully assume that there was a decent bit of time that went by between, um, God's creation of man and their work to glorify God, uh, and the fall of man. There's some time between that. And I had never really thought about it this way. And I love the point that Chris made here is that, um, every time that Adam and Eve, walked past that tree and didn't eat of it, um, they were honoring the Lord um, because they were living within the parameters that God had set for for man. And so just thinking about that, you know, in a practical sense of, um, you know, anytime we live outside of the parameters that God has set for us, it leads to destruction. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's important to note that the parameters that God has set for our work and for our rest, you know, that we see pretty explicitly hashed out in Exodus chapter 20 verses eight through 11, like we talked about earlier is like, it's pretty clear what God's parameters are for our work and for our rest. Um, and while the fall of man and choosing to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a very visceral and, you know, upfront example of living outside of God's parameters for us. Like it's a perfect example of how, when we don't take what God has designed for us in any aspect of our life, 
but in this instance, our work and our rest, how it leads to us not being as close to the Lord as we need to be and not walking closely to him, you know? Mm -hmm. So do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I don't remember where I heard this, but someone when I was younger said it and they said limits provide freedom. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's interesting. But in all reality, they do. Um, because once you know your limit and you know, like the sphere that you are allowed to be free in, you don't have to look over your shoulder and think, oh, am I outside of my limits or am I yeah. going to be in trouble? Like I know when I stay within this area, I'm totally free to do what I want and that's freedom. Um, I really like that concept. Yeah. So, like some examples of that. Whenever I was growing up, we lived on a farm and uh, we had 55 acres of continuous land that like was all connected and from the time i was like six my dad was just like here's the boundaries don't leave them right and right. so i had 55 acres of freedom that i could do basically whatever i wanted with there was obviously rules yeah like, don't start a forest fire uh <laughs> you know yeah we almost did that a couple of times didn't we yeah <laughs> but <laughs> That gave me a lot of freedom to do essentially whatever I wanted within the 55 acres of like the limits where the fence lines right. that were pointed out right. uh, and clearly defined. Um, and then like, this is probably a podcast for another time, but society's constantly trying to break down the rules like we were talking about. Yeah, the goalpost is always moving. Yeah, like uh like what is morality? Uh that's right. always trying to be changed and right. They're trying to change it in the um for the purpose of more freedom. But right. in reality, they're causing themselves more problems by Oh yeah, not Absolutely. recognizing yes. that there's limits to what you can do. And so, uh, if they would just accept yeah. the limits that are available to them, they would probably find more freedom than trying to tear down the fence. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that relates directly back to the concept of rest and the concept of work is like, you know, everyone knows, or at least I think most people know like when you're kind of hitting that threshold of like, okay, I'm working too much. Like mm -hmm. things have started to fall through. Things have started to, you know, I'm having trouble in my marriage. I'm having trouble connecting with my kids, my wife, like whatever it is, you know, we all see that like kind of threshold and that's going to look different for everybody. Um, but I think, you know, it's constantly that battle of, especially, you know, I remember, you know, I, at the age that we're at right now, we're kind of in that in-between stage of like, you're not as busy as you were in high school because you're not playing sports or doing whatever. And you're not as busy as a parent, you know, having to run kids around. Um, 
but you know, I remember it always being that, you know, as a teenager, junior high, whatever, high school, all of that, of just this concept of, you know, pastors always talking about, you know, are you spending more time at the ball fields with your kids than you are in community with other believers at church? You know, and I think that that, that example you gave right there of limits of knowing like, hey, you know, this is the solid cutoff. Like this is the line that God has placed for me for my work and for my rest. Mm -hmm. And if I'm living within those parameters, I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm getting rest or whether or not I'm working too much. If I'm living within the parameters of what God has told me I should, then that takes the burden off of my shoulders of wondering, well, am I working too much? Am I not resting enough? Am I resting too much? You know, Um, because the inverse of, resting too much is that, you know, in that, in Exodus, in that, in those verses, God says, you know, you are to work, you know, Mm -hmm. six days a week. Um, you know, and obviously that's the goalpost on that has moved a little bit in society, but, um, you know, while God does say, uh, the seventh day, is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God on it. You shall not do any work. The verse before that, he says, six days, you shall labor and do all your work, Mm -hmm. you know? So just as there's a limit on, on working and that you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, there also is a limit too on, Hey, the other six days of the week, you do need to be working because like we said earlier, that work should be honoring the Lord, you know? Yeah. Um, I think think, uh, there's a lot of safety, like, obviously, whenever my dad set the limit of, like, here's the fence lines, don't cross them uh, for a certain time in my life. And then, you know, once I was older and more mature, he was like, you know, ride the four-wheeler on the dirt roads, but don't be on the paved roads, you know, stuff like that. So the limits can change, but obviously there's some that God has set that are not going to change. Um Right. But it wasn't this huge temptation to like stand at the fence and be like, oh, I want to jump over the fence and go play in those woods. But, right. Um, just like I'm sure it wasn't a huge temptation for Adam and Eve to walk by the tree and think, oh, I really want to taste that. Like, I bet that tastes so so much better than all these other trees we get. It wasn't right. until Satan was like, hey, look at this tree. But right. there's so much safety or I don't want to say guaranteed safety because you don't have to even leave your house to be in grave danger. Right. Uh, at least today. But <laughs> uh, there was a lot of, I guess, I'll say safety um, within the limits. Yeah, I get what you set, mean. Cause yeah. You know, if something happened and I didn't show back up by dark, they knew I was within the confines of the 55 acres. So they had somewhere to search. But like God said, when you eat of this fruit, you'll die. They had so many other fruits they could have chosen that wouldn't kill them. Um, And I know it wasn't like instant death, like a poisonous tree, but sure. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of safety within limits that 
add, yeah i totally agree adds to the freedom that you get whenever you stay within them yeah and i think as humans our innate inclination is to try to push the limits mm-hmm. um because we've gotten so good at human as humans at pushing the limits in science and um pushing the limits in you know how fast a car can go or setting the world record at you know Le Mans for the fastest lap in an EV Formula One car, you know, whatever it is, or, you know, building the fastest, lightest, quietest bow or what, you know, whatever it is, there's so much inclination as humans for excellence Mm -hmm. um, and pushing the limits in our gifts and abilities that then our sin nature and sin being in the world tempts us to push limits in um, how we view gender or how we view what life is and what life, you know, isn't. And, you know, is, is a fetus a life at 10 weeks? Is it not, you know, what does it look like it, you know, it, when we start pushing those limits and pushing those boundaries, it lends itself to, um, destruction. And I think as Christians, and this is not me coming from a place of uh, perfection at this concept by any means, because I'm not. Um, but I think there's a certain sense of if we trust God enough and trust God in the way that we should, I don't think that there's, sh- I don't think a desire should exist to push the limits on what gender is or what a man's role in society is or what a woman's role in society is or, um, or what abortion, what, you know, how, what term limit on abortion should be or, you know, things like that, um, that have become quote unquote political issues, but are more moralistic issues. I think if there's a certain amount of trust in God and a wholehearted trust in the Lord, I don't think there should be the temptation to try to push those limits because we should find peace and affirmation in the limits that God has set for us um, in those things. And I think that, you know, like you said, I think this would be a fantastic podcast to discuss in the future. But I think when there is ultimate trust in God, um, we know that here's what God says and that's what goes, you know? So, Mm -hmm. and not that, you know, I think there's nuance in that, you know, women's role in society has evolved over time and, and a man's role in society has as well. But I think there's certain foundational concepts, uh, in the parameters that God's given us and the parameters around male and female that God's given us is that, uh, a woman is supposed to come alongside a man and support him and his endeavors. And it should be a 50, 50 effort. And so whatever that 50, 50 effort looks like in society is certainly going to evolve over time. Um, but that's the parameter that God set that it's a man is supposed to support his wife and lead his wife. And a wife is supposed to support her husband and his endeavors. And so, whatever those endeavors look like, as long as that aligns 
with um, what we know to be true and what God tells us to live in accordance to him, there's room for that to evolve over time as long as it doesn't breach the standards of sexuality and sexual morality and, you know, the commandments that God has ultimately set for us for our own good, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, man, good stuff. Um, Is there anything else you want to unpack from that? No, I think we uh, have it all out on the table. Good, man. Yeah, I think this is a good episode. Um, I like to, you know, honestly, we should be uh, even not necessarily in a podcast setting, but as men and as followers of Christ in general, regardless of male or female, um, you know, instead of, you know, I find myself, you know, guilty of just walking into church, taking my notes, writing them down on my notebook and, and closing the book. And it sits on the dash of my car till next Sunday, you know, and we don't, um, don't get the notebook back out. Don't dive back in and dissect it and, and learn from it. Um, so I think these conversations are good to, Mm -hmm. um, kind of dig deeper into what we're hearing at church and, and what our pastors have for us. Um, so this is a great episode, man. Um, sorry guys, we've been kind of slacking on getting episodes out. Um, Zach and I both talked yesterday evening about how we want to really get back into the swing of things and, and crank some episodes out and be more consistent with it. So, um, like I said earlier, guys, please share this with somebody. Um, we want this to resonate with people. We want to reach people. Um, and uh, we think that while we're not perfect, we do feel like that we have some good, valuable information to share with people. So, all right, man. Thank you again for the discussion. Thanks for everything that you bring to the table. So, yeah, it's all good stuff. Appreciate your perspective on it, too yeah all right guys we'll see you until next time share the word move the needle and uh keep on trucking see y'all